Welcome to Belly Dance Alchemy, a captivating blend of the best elements of career and professional development and the magic of belly dance. I'm your host, Kelly Nottingham. Ready to make your day job sparkle and your dance life grow in new and inspiring ways? Let's see what we can brew up. Hello, listeners, and welcome to 2021. I am excited to be here with you and appreciate you listening. Ikea makes me happy. I love to walk around Ikea. I love the little meatballs and the lingonberry jam. I love to go into the little sample apartments that they have in the stores and look at all the minimalist living. And everything is so clean and so tidy. Everything has its spot to be. I look at those little mini apartments and I love to just wander around them and daydream about living in such a tidy little organized home. But when I think about the things that I love to do with my life, I like to knit, I like to sew, I quilt, I garden. The fact that my husband and I both are avid readers. So we have literally tons of books in our home. We have multiple pets. We love to travel. We have tchotchkes from Royer. We've traveled around the world. It's not to say that we couldn't set a goal of living a minimalist lifestyle in a tiny home. We've actually done it before. We lived in a motorhome and traveled for work before the whole tiny home movement was even a thing. And it was doable, but it required us both to make sacrifices and changes to the way that we live and really who we are intrinsically. Now, as many of you know from the videos that I post on social media, we have in the past year recently downsized homes again. And we're in the purging process again. And I know that we can do it, but will we ever live in an Ikea photo-worthy minimalist home? Probably not. And that's okay. So today, we're going to be talking about three aspects of goal setting and several key ways to think about ways to successfully set and reach our goals. The first Our goals are symptoms of something deeper about our lives underneath that we want to fix. Often our goals are trying to tell us something that's missing in our lives, but we don't dig deep enough to what's really under the goal. So with our IKEA example, what is it about the idea of a tidy, organized, cozy little home that is appealing? What would hitting that goal of having that tidy little home give me, potentially, that I don't have right now. Ah, now there is the gold. Let's say that it would mean less stress because I can find what I'm looking for more easily than having to look through a bunch of stuff. Feeling more on top of things and organized so I don't feel like I'm forgetting important stuff. Maybe it's more time to enjoy hobbies because I'm not having to clean as much because there's just not as much house to clean. Maybe it's just less dog smell. And that, my friends, is what is at the root of that deep down attraction to those little Ikea mini homes. I could set goals around redoing my home or downsizing more or buying new furniture. Or I could set goals and habits that would help me achieve the things underneath. Those things that are really ways of life that I can work on whether I have a Blorgan Flort or not. So as you think about the goals you may want to achieve for 2021, what needs are underneath those goals? What's missing in your life or career that that goal potentially could fix? And would that goal actually fix it? Or is there something else you could do instead? 
If you're thinking about, for example, quitting your job to start emu farming, what is it about emu farming that is more appealing than your current job? How could you solve for those issues without necessarily having to involve large land birds? Number two. Reaching our goals depends on our self-identity. So let's, again, go back to that IKEA example. If we say we want to live in a tidy, minimalist home or have a tidy, minimalist office, but we absolutely hate tidying up, we hate cleaning, we hate purging, and we frequently tell people that we're hoarders, we're going to have a much harder time hitting that goal. Identity can really make or break our success in our goals. So if you can't envision yourself in the life of a person who's achieved the goal, then you're going to have a very difficult time getting there. So let's say, for example, that someone wants to change roles. They want to change careers. They want to change complete industries. And they want to move into becoming a real estate agent. But they have a hard time envisioning themselves doing the stuff that you have to do to be a successful real estate agent, like cold calling people, showing strangers around houses that you've never seen before, dealing with negotiations, legal paperwork, and dotting the I's and crossing all of the T's. If those aspects of the job sound horrible, then maybe that's not a good career change, even if that big picture, that outside view, is that it's a fun, glamorous job. Now, this is why vision boards can be useful, but they can also be deceiving. I know a lot of people love doing vision boards at the beginning of the year. I like to do them myself. Vision boards can help to point the direction that you want to go, that big vision. But if we can't take that next step to really envision ourselves living that life on a daily basis, we're going to have a much more difficult time doing the things we need to do to achieve the goal. So here's an example that a lot of us put on our vision boards. Uh, If I want to be a truly fit and healthy person and I have this vision of being healthy, sort of that finished product of like, I will look like this, but of not actually doing the healthy things, of living a life of being a healthy person, then I'm not going to be able to achieve that goal. And even if I do somehow manage to achieve the goal, well, what then? If I don't have that desire to do healthy and fit things daily, then I'm not going to be able to keep that fitness level up once the goal is reached. My vision board may show the inspiration side, the nice clothes, the amazing beach body, whatever. But it may not have the pictures of, I don't know, steamed broccoli and a treadmill and a big X through pizza and the recliner. Unless we face the reality of what the goal will require on a daily basis, the food management, the exercise, the setting boundaries and saying no to birthday cake, we're not going to hit and keep the results of that goal. If you want to be an entrepreneur and yet you don't like doing bookkeeping or administrivia or sales and you have a hard time delegating, it's not to say you can't be an entrepreneur. It's just that Those are some things you're going to have to really keep in mind and work on as you build out how you're going to get where you want to go. You may have to change your identity to a person who can tolerate bookkeeping, who can do sales, and who can successfully delegate. So a couple of ways to think about this. We can talk about identity, but to be a writer, 
you actually have to write. As Plato and Aristotle famously said, to do is to be, and to be is to do. So in order to be the thing that you want to be, you have to do the things that that person would do. My brilliant sister Rachel calls this acting as if. We think about accomplishing the goal, doing the goal, but we don't think about becoming the person who would achieve that goal. That's where the identity piece comes into it. We have to become the person who consistently does the actions to achieve the goal. We may decide once we think about what it takes to be that person that we may not actually want to be that person. We may decide that it's not who we are. It's not who we want to be. It's not our natural state. And it's not to say that we can't strive to do uh, something to get out of our natural state. But it becomes a question of, do we really want to do that? Do we really want to be that other person? Maybe, maybe not. Number three on our list. Hitting our big goals depends on the small goals underneath. Now, SMART goals are all well and good. A lot of you, I'm sure, have heard of SMART goals. Specific, measurable, achievable or actionable, realistic or relevant, and time-bound. And those things are important. I like to think of it in a much more simplified way as something that we can check off of a checklist. So can you put it on a three-month or a six-month checklist and be able to say, I have accomplished this thing and check it off? Then it's probably a SMART goal. Now, again, vision boards can be very useful. I like to do one myself, as I said, and it's very pretty and it's got lots of pictures and lots of words and I draw things on it. But the idea of a vision board is to set the direction, that big vision. The challenge that comes with doing a vision board and expecting it to somehow magically manifest in our lives is that what we don't usually include on the vision board are the day-to-day grind kind of things of getting to the goal step by step. We need to go above and beyond just that big goal, that big thing on our vision board. When we think about SMART goals, we tend to think of them on a very big yearly or long-term massive accomplishment level. I like to call this the macrocosm level. So let's just say that my goal is to uh, read a self-development book a month for the rest of 2021. I want to expand my horizons and focus on learning. And so I want to read 12 self-development books by the end of the year. I can set that as a goal. And you know how it goes. You start off really strong. Maybe it's a rainy, really crappy, cold night out and you binge on a book and you say, "Woo, go team, check that off the list. I got one done. But when it's nice outside and you've got other things going on, that book reading starts to slip. And pretty soon, two months into the year, you realize you're behind and all you can think is I'm failing on my goal, right? (laughs) Sound familiar? So this is where we can think about microcosm goals. These are the small goals that come underneath that big goal, that big macrocosm goal, that will help us to actually get where we want to go. And this is often what we don't pay enough attention to. This isn't the sexy stuff we put on a vision board or on our yearly goals list. 
This is the day-to-day stuff. By setting smaller goals, which essentially help us to develop a new habit, that's what gets us to that big goal. So let's say we're going to read this book this month and that book next month and so on for 12 months. Great. The way we're going to accomplish that goal, though, is to set a smaller goal underneath of reading 10 pages a day. Now, this is another SMART goal. It's specific, it's measurable, it's achievable, and frankly, if it's not achievable, then we need to take a look at that bigger goal instead of just trying to fudge the small goal. It's a realistic goal and it is time-bound. So these small goals, these microcosm daily or weekly SMART goals that go under the large goals is where the magic really happens. When we focus on these small goals, these habits, instead of the big goal, the big goal gets taken care of, basically without us having to worry about it or think about it or focus on it. As I like to say, Rome wasn't built in a day, yes, but it was built brick by brick. These goals also require setting up an environment to succeed. You have to make it easy on yourself to do these daily things. So let's say we want to read these development books each month. You want to read a book. You need to get the book off the shelf. You need to put it in a place where you know you're going to see it at the time when you plan to read it. Otherwise, the obstacles that will jump up in the way may derail you. And they don't even have to be big obstacles. You get into bed, but you don't have a really good reading lamp. You don't have your reading glasses with you. You don't have a book on your nightstand to read. The goal is not going to happen. We have to make it seamless and easy for ourselves to be able to achieve these small microcosm goals, which will then cause us to achieve that big macrocosm goal. Sometimes setting up the environment is a goal and a very early goal in the process in and of itself. That can be one of those sub goals. Creating an environment for these sub goals to happen is what's going to give you the environment for the large goals to happen. When we set those big visionary goals, it's very easy to sort of launch that boat out into the river and say, this is what I'm going to do. But if we don't paddle that boat every day, we're just going to float. And we may end up floating where we want at some point, but usually we end up in the weeds of our everyday lives, right? And when we think about these small goals, these everyday goals, we have to ask ourselves, do we even want to live this life in the first place? So those are our three ways to think about successful goal setting. Number one, our goals are symptoms of something deeper about our lives underneath that we want to fix. Number two, reaching our goals depends on our self-identity. Number three, hitting our big goals depends on the small goals we set underneath it. So let's take this one for a final spin. Take a breather over the next few days to think about the goals you want to accomplish this year. What do those goals say about what you want more of or less of in your life, your career, your hobbies, your relationships? Will hitting that goal positively affect those parts of your life? 
Or do you maybe need to look at resetting a goal to really hit those deeper underlying desires that we have? Does your identity line up with your new potential way of living? Are you excited about developing a new identity of becoming a person who does those things? Or does that new identity just not really excite you very much? Do you need to change your goals because of that? And lastly, what small goals do you need to develop to build brick by brick those bigger goals? And how can you build an environment to help those small goals happen? All right, everyone, that's it for our first episode of 2021. I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Well, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and share the magic with your dance friends. If you want more, you can sign up for our mailing list at bellydancealchemy.org or you can email me your suggestions and feedback. I would love to hear from you at bellydancealchemypodcast at gmail.com. Bye.